Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. He's earned decades of Wall Street success. A lifelong student of the market who learned to navigate the world of finance with unshaken confidence. An underdog who achieved the American dream. Now the Fox Business host is sharing all his investing wisdom with you on Charles Payne's Unstoppable Prosperity Podcast. This is Charles Payne. Welcome back to another season of Charles Payne's Unstoppable Prosperity Podcast. You know me from making money on the Fox Business Channel. With close to four decades of Wall Street experience, I've learned some valuable lessons about investing in the stock market. And now we're back for a third season of the podcast because 2024 is here, which means a presidential election is fast approaching. Investing during an election year, it seems even more intimidating than usual. Ironically, though, it's even more important that you get in the game. And with the help of some of my friends from Fox Business in these three episodes, I'm going to help you learn the ins and outs of becoming unbreakable, especially in an election year. So first and foremost, one of the things you're going to get during an election year, two things. A lot of woe is me. You're going to hear about how bad the country is, how you know we're close to falling off a cliff. And if anything, you're going to want to hunker down and maybe go hide in the basement somewhere, right? On the other side, you've got, um, you've got particularly this election, the market tends to do well in election years. Uh, it does even better in election years that follow a year that was up 10%. And it does even better when there's an incumbent in the White House who's running for re-election. Why? Well, they have the purse strings. And they spend as much money as possible. Obviously, their goal is to make you feel like things are doing pretty well or better than expected. And maybe that will take you into the voting booth and you'll vote for the person in charge. So that's you've got that going for you. You've got history going for you. You've got the fact there's going to be some cash in this economy. Uh, there's some unknowns, uh, particularly on, on the inflation front and the recession front. And that comes and goes. That's always going to be with us, right? Um, we have uh, our economy is cyclical. So it goes up, then it goes down. And sad to say, it's become even more cyclical uh, since the Federal Reserve with, the, with us in, uh, adopting a central bank back in 1913. But the specifics about elections are really intriguing because one thing I don't want anybody to, 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 lose the, um, to lose focus on is that you always want to be invested in the stock market, no matter what, no matter who is in office. And I got to tell you, it broke my heart how many conservatives didn't make any money in the stock market when President Obama was in office. It broke my heart how many liberals didn't make any money when Donald Trump was in office. It is absolutely nuts to me that people would actually sit out big chunks of their lives because of someone in the White House. This is a this economy is moving toward $25, 26000000000000 trillion a year. There are going to be companies that benefit no matter what. You want to be part owner of those companies. Now, you're going to hear a lot about how well economies do or stock markets do under certain presidents. For instance... Uh, recently, uh, Axios had a piece, and it showed Obama, while he was in office, uh, the market up 48.6%, Trump 
market up 42%. So far for Biden, the market up 26%. Under Bush, down 17%. That stuff is very, very misleading. First and foremost, I am I really think that it's a mistake to judge a market under a president beginning on Inauguration Day. At the very least, you start the day after the election. The stock market itself is a forward-looking mechanism. The stock market looks ahead six months, a year. Businesses look ahead. When President Trump was elected, immediately, immediately, there was a massive shift in sentiment amongst businesses. Immediately, they started putting money to work. They didn't wait for Inauguration Day. The stock market immediately went higher. It didn't wait for Inauguration Day. Conversely, when President Obama was elected, immediately the stock market went down. <laughs> now, it didn't come under his official watch, but remember, I don't know if you guys remember, December, uh, right before that January when he took the oath, we were in a free fall. It was an absolute free fall, the entire economy, the entire stock market. There was very little confidence among investors that President Obama could actually uh, right the ship. And here's the irony. Because it was down so much, he started with such a low number it actually worked out to his advantage. So forget that stuff for a moment. Put that stuff aside. What you do want to what you do care about though are policies. And I have been saying over and over again that I think that we are all set up for another version of the Roaring Twenties. The Roaring 1920s. The parallels are just absolutely amazing. Uh, the war on terror equal to the Spanish, I mean to the World War One, COVID equal to the Spanish flu. Uh, we had a massive recession right at the beginning of 20, 1920. We had a massive recession uh, here in part because of COVID. Huge taxes. It was so I mean, the taxes had just only become official in the 1900s, and they went through the roof. They went through the roof. And so we had a similar situation, a very similar situation. What turned it around, in my opinion, was the election. The first it was Harding, and then, of course, he was replaced by Coolidge. And Coolidge is just, he, ironically, he's starting to have a Coolidge moment. People are starting to know about him. Uh, I still think most Americans don't, they kind of got an idea who he is. Maybe something is a pack of cigarettes. They're not really sure, right? What is a Coolidge, right? Uh, but more and more people are starting to know who this dude is. And I think his revival is in part because of hopes that we can have a pro-business, uh, pro-business pro president. <coughs> you got to remember uh, you know, one of his saying was the business of America's business. He embraced technology. He was hands off. He let the economy heal itself. Very little interference. And that's what we really want. That's what distinguished America in the first place from all these other nations. Very little hands on. We don't want manipulation uh, uh, of, uh, of our success. We don't need governments picking winners and losers. We need the marketplace to do those sort of things. I'm also going to share in the, in the uh, town hall the fact that the fix is in. When I say the fix is in, folks, what I'm saying is that we have a system where money is created. The federal government creates money. The uh, Federal Reserve creates money. And all of this money, eventually, the vast majority of it, the overwhelming majority of it, ends up in corporate coffers which ends up in bottom lines of corporations. And guess what that means? Remember, what moves the stock market? Earnings. Earnings is the mother's milk of bull markets. So if a lot of cash is coming into the economy, going into corporate coffers, 
and filling up those coffers, those stock market gains go through the roof. It's a pretty simple formula. And I hate to say it, but no matter who's elected, there's still going to be a fair amount of money printing. The federal government is still going to spend a lot more money than it takes in. And, 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 and I think one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is that you'll hear about uh, programs for poor people and middle income folks. Like, for instance, the COVID, uh, COVID-19 uh, relief plan. That COVID was was arrested by then. You know, we we had the um, we had the vaccine. The cases had peaked. The economy was ready to come back around. Virtually none of that one point nine trillion dollars had anything to do with COVID, but it was a good way to sell it. So, according to Stanford, over the next five years, all of that money, the two trillion dollars, will end up with the top one percent. And so it goes. And here's something I'm going to share with you, and I'm going to elaborate in the town hall. The stock market has never recovered from its 1929 high if you adjust for all the money that was pumped into this economy. I'm going to say it again. We have this thing called the money supply. And when you adjust for all of that money, if you just say, okay, let's just say there was no artificial money ever poured into this economy. The stock market peaked in 1929. This is important to point out because, again, I'm saying the fix is in. When I was a broker, I had a buddy, older guy, much older than me, a guy named Jack Cantor, right? <laughs> Jack was really old school. And, uh, you know, he left the business. And one day I was walking outside Wall Street, Broadway area, a nice sunny day. A bunch of people had these tables outside, whatever, selling chotskis and this old dude selling baseball cards. And who is it? It's Jack Cantor. I'm like, oh, man, what's up, Jack? So Jack also had these slips. Back in the day, you could bet on the football games. they come by. This is before in the internet. Right? So they come by your office, and you could bet on the football games and all this stuff. So he came to the office. I mean, he was selling me baseball cards. I never collected baseball cards, but I was doing him a favor, right? It kind of hurt me to see that he was still doing this. It also inspired me, you know, don't don't get your foot off the pedal too quickly, right? Um but I used to love when he would come to the office and, and everyone's talking about who's going to win the game because his favorite expression was, Charlie, I'm trying to give you the edge. I'm trying to give you the edge. And so he would tell us, like, yeah, this kicker's hurt, and this guy, he punts well in, in windy open field stadiums. Like, he would always give us the edge, right? Charlie, listen to me. I'm trying to give you the edge. I say that because I'm trying to give you the edge. This is fixed, folks. <laughs> the stock market, if you pull up a 200-year chart, looks like a straight line, right? The bottom left-hand side goes straight up to the top right-hand side. That is wealth. You want generational wealth? That's generational wealth that has been created. It is out there. It is huge. You know what's beautiful? You can get a piece of the action. Everyone listening can get a piece of the action. There's no entry fee. There's no exam. There's nothing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You can get a piece of the action. Now, here's what's kind of sad about it, though. 
Uh, 92% of the stock market is owned by the top 10% of Americans. And we get upset. Oh, the rich get richer. Of course they get richer. Of course they get richer. Because not only does this M2 money supply help pump up the stock market, but so do we. And speaking of politics, there's no such thing as trickle-down economics. That's goofy. No one knows what it means. We have trickle-up economics. We can't wait to give our money to people who have more money than us. We can't wait to give Philip Knight money so we can buy the new Nikes. We can't wait to give Bill, Bill Gates money so we can get the new Microsoft product. We can't wait. We rush to the store. We rush to the store. We make the folks at Apple richer every day. And what do they do with the money? They take over a billion dollars a day and buy back their own stock. So the fix is in. This is what I'm going to share with you. The fix is in. And it's so amazing to me when I see you know, a movie or hear a commentary about the stock market from people who aren't really actively invested because they always talk about the crashes. Oh, man. The, the, the narrative is that if you get involved in the market, you're going to probably lose money. And it just blows me away. And this is a narrative that's raining on folks for so long that so many people have bought into it. And this is one of the reasons people aren't participating. However, a lot are, and more and more people are. Let me tell you what's really shocking. And this is probably why it's such a, a beautiful thing, such a, a uniquely American thing. Share ownership by country, by country, Finland, 12% of the folks own stocks over there. Now, remember, we're over 40% of American households who own stock. Finland, 12%. Sweden, a little bit more than 6%. Denmark, 5%. This is nuts. This is nuts. The UK, less than 4%. Now, I will say their markets don't do very well. In fact, uh, of the entire stock market, all the stock markets in the world, the total capitalization of it, uh, 46% is America. It depends how you measure it. I've seen measures from 46 to 80%. Then China's got a, a chunk, but nowhere near where we are. And, and that's because those economies have gone down the wrong path. And this gets us back to the whole political thing. When you start to have an economy that's designed just to survive, uh, not to grow, not to encourage growth, high taxes, serious regulations, Wealth redistribution, it's, you're not going to create wealth. And people who have the wherewithal to create wealth, they're not going to live there. They're not going to stay there. You know, I love groups like U2, right? You know, they, they have this sort of revolutionary feel to them, right? But as soon as they could, they moved their, their residents to a tax haven, right? <laughs> Even though they want to stick it to the man, right? And, like, you know, they'll sing a song, you'll grab a pitchfork and a torch, like, yeah, I'm digging this stuff. They're like, yeah, me too, but we're not going to let the state take our money. So I say all of this to say 2024 is going to be so critically important. Uh, I, think, I think you can make money. I know you can make money in the stock market no matter who's in the White House. But I think it gets ex a lot easier for us to fulfill all of our potential as a nation, as a world. Um, the, 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 what's happening now with technology, uh, artificial intelligence, robotics, uh, big data, what's happening now in medicine, and it's not just the weight loss drugs, but it's a lot of other things that are happening right now. 
what's happening in transportation. The world's going to look completely different 10 years from now, and almost all of that emanates from America, which is a wonderful thing. We don't want to slow it up. By the same token, we're not ready for EVs. We don't want a government forcing us to buy something we don't want and buying something and making us buy something and switch to a system that, quite frankly, is going to make us less economically independent. We've got more oil than everyone, including Saudi Arabia, but we don't control any of the process to make electric batteries, electric vehicle batteries. I'm not sure why we're trying to give that up, but that's one of the things that's up for debate, that's up for um, up in this election, right? And, of course, there's this other, other things like modern monetary theory, the idea that, hey, the average person out in America cannot make it. So the government should be giving them a check or universal basic income. Those things are going to royal, they're going to royal society. And again, remember what I'm telling you, folks. All of that money ends up with the same place, particularly on the lower economic scales. Uh, economists call it MPC, uh, which is a, a propensity to consume. When people get extra money, the poorer you are, the more likely you are to spend all of that extra money as soon as you can. It's a windfall. You, you hit the lottery, you spend the money. It's human behavior. So we want to get these things done organically, organically. And that's why it's important. So, again, speaking of the fix, all of this cash you're talking about, there used to be 8,000 publicly traded companies. Now we're down to 4,000. So remember, if... The uh, the investing 101 says that stocks go up when there are more buyers than sellers. Well, if you have buyers showing up and there are fewer stocks to buy, what's what's economics 101? It goes up, right? Supply and demand. Supply and demand. So I know there's this focus on a lot of things that are worrisome. There's no doubt about it. I don't know where the fiscal cliff leads us. I do know we go off it one day. And even with that, when the dust settles, the stock market will come roaring back. Now, if you're not in the stock market now, don't fool yourself into thinking that somehow you're going to wake up in the middle of the next you know, crisis, so to speak, and wake up and pick the exact bottom of the stock market. You're not. In the meantime, this is an amazing opportunity to continue to make a lot of money, to continue to change your life, and again, We've got the greatest stock market in the world because we have the greatest economic system in the world. Uh, access to, to cash, to credit for businesses, nowhere else in the world is it like this. If you wake up tomorrow in Sweden, you have an idea for a better mousetrap, more than likely if you want to make it to come to fruition, you get on a plane and you come to America. So the fix is in, folks. The foundation, the money, the experience, the system, so my greatest fear is dismantling this. It is the, an amazing system. That's what I'm worried about more than anything else when it comes to this election. Also, of course, I want to keep this idea that we as individuals in America can pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. Because we can. Because we can. So, again, being unbreakable, it's easy to say, you know, be, be unbreakable. Uh, you know, Ben instead of breaking. But there are ways to bend, right? There are ways to, I, I lift weights, right? And I, you know, you always bend at your knees, you know, and you know, it's, it's, and you gotta do, the technique is different, right? I mean, you could take the lightest weight in the world 
And if you're doing certain exercises, after 10 reps, it's killing you. If you're doing it right, because the form matters. Same thing with the stock market. There are going to be times this year and for the rest of your time in the stock market, which should be your entire life, where you're going to have to bend certain ways. But you don't want to break, but you're going to have to bend certain ways. It won't be the same way each time. Because maybe the circumstances will be different. Maybe, you know, this year the technology stocks are getting hammered and everything else is going up. You know, one of those sort of scenarios. In fact, for all of the belly aching about the stock market in 2023 only being like seven or eight stocks, right? You, I'm sure by now you've heard the Magnificent Seven. Let me tell you about the top performing stocks in 2023. And I want you to stop for a moment and say, have you ever heard of this company? Hmm. If you've heard of it, maybe you thought for a split second, maybe I should have owned stock in this company. And I'll start with the very first one, because I got a feeling you've heard of it. If you've got a job, you heard of it. The company is called Fair Isaac. I'll give you a second to think about it. Doesn't ring a bell, right? Does FICO ring a bell? You ever look at your paycheck? <laughs> okay, that's FICO, my man. FICO, Fair Isaac, F-I-C-O is a stock symbol. The number one performing stock in the S&P last year, up 154%. Think about this. It's on everybody's paycheck. Why wouldn't it be a great uh, investment? Why wouldn't it be? Think about this for a moment. Marathon Petroleum, I'm sure about 10% of the folks listening here have visited a Marathon Petroleum uh, gas station this week. Eli Lilly, we've all heard of it. Of course, they're, they they made it big because of the weight loss drug. Uh, and the list goes on and on. I mean, Hess is on the list. Pulte Homes is on the list. A lot of drug, a lot of um, a lot of uh, gas station companies are on the list. And even though it was a bad year for energy, um, it, it's just amazing. Just absolutely amazing. Yeah, one of my favorite companies, United Rentals, and I always like this because they're in all fifty states and. Uh, they rent out like construction equipment and things like that. And it's one of these things that's inconspicuous, but any downtown area in, in America, you've walked past the United Rental piece. You know, you'll look later on, walk out, if they're doing any construction in your neighborhood, you'll see like, oh boy, he was right. And these are the stocks that outperformed in just one year. These aren't crazy names. These are companies that are make steel. These are companies that are in the energy industry. Some of these companies are 100 years old. You don't have to necessarily be in the next hot high flyer. So I say all of this to say elections matter. There's no doubt about it, particularly at this time and place, because for whatever reason, the romanticism of socialism and socialism-like um, policies has, has taken on even more credence. And I think one of the reasons is because the top 1% of U.S. earners now have more wealth than the entire middle class. But ask yourself, would you rather punish them or join them? That'll do it for our episode today. Make sure you keep listening to this season to hear my discussions with Lydia Hugh, Madison Allworth, and Taylor Riggs. And definitely make sure you watch my town hall on Fox Business on Thursday, January 18th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time to hear even more about election year investing and why 2024 could be the year that decides this nation's future and maybe your own economic future as well. You're not going to want to miss it. Until next time, I'm Charles Payne. 
You've been listening to the Charles Payne's Unstoppable Prosperity Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to this series and don't forget to rate and review. And keep listening so I can help put you on the path to unstoppable prosperity now. It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox.